Welcome back to Share Your Voice, a podcast that proves kindness is transformational. And I'm your host, Cassidy Miller. Our guest today knew she wanted to be an entertainer at a very young age. Her passion was solidified when she joined a comedy improv troupe in high school, taking that dream with her all the way to college. Upon graduation, she began studying and performing long-form improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, also known as UCB, and notorious for turning out some of the best of the best comedians in the country. She's part of the comedy duo Lilan and Wilder, and her YouTube video shorts have gained over 2.6 million views. Most of my audience will recognize her from the award-winning Disney show Andy Mack, where she played independent and free-spirited Bex. Today, she's here talking about her latest endeavor, directing Becoming Eddie, a movie about a boy born in America, but seen as an outsider to most of his classmates. That all changes on his 12th birthday, and the lesson he learns as a result is one we can all relate to. Please welcome Lilan Bowden to the show. Thank you for joining us today. I am so glad to meet you. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I was very impressed by the write-ups about your podcast. Thank you. Your resume is impressive. You've been in dozens of film and television roles, but one of your latest endeavors has you behind the camera in the director's seat. So could you tell us a little about Becoming Eddie, how did you become involved in the project? And what makes this one different than some of the other projects and comedy shorts you've been involved in? So Becoming Eddie, my directorial debut is a 15-minute short movie about a Korean-American boy in the 1980s who desperately wants the approval of his mostly white classmates. And in order to do so, he makes a wish to be like his favorite foul-mouthed stand-up comedian that uh, he sees on TV, and his wish comes true. So he ends up speaking literally in the voice of his favorite stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, it's different in so many ways. Uh, a, because I'm the director, and because the person who wrote it, Ed Lee, is a friend of mine. We had a big opportunity to collaborate on this project together. So the movie that I feel like was made is a really lovely blend of Ed's voice, my voice, and our producer, Joyce Liu, Countryman's voice. When you see Becoming Eddie, unlike... Uh, other roles I've played, there is a very personal uh, experience to this. I think that if you see Becoming Eddie, you can kind of know a little bit about what my viewpoint is um, and our collective viewpoint is about uh, what it's like to grow up Asian. Um, and I know I've directed some comedy shorts and stuff, uh, and I love doing that. Uh, I direct a lot of comedy shorts with my uh, best friend Wilder, but those are... Th those don't are, are just like about our friendship and they're about fun. And I feel like Becoming Eddie has like a very specific viewpoint that we want viewers to see and um, take away. Do you think the same movie could be made with setting up today? And how would that work? You know, I, you know, I, I think this is a very interesting and a very timely question, because I think if you asked me in 2019, 
when we put this movie together, I would have a lot of answers uh, of of like how, oh, we'd want to update it. We'd want to make it more nuanced because at that point in my experience, like covert and overt racism towards Asian American people uh, was different. And Mm. unfortunately, I think more optimistic. Uh, And so now we look at the year 2021 where so much has happened. Uh, We've gone through a pandemic, we're going through a pandemic. And unfortunately, like anyone can look at the news and see that Asian hate crimes are on the rise and they've not only they've increased by over a hundred percent. And so it's almost like (laughs) looking back at becoming Eddie when, um, when I was directing it, it was really important to, to me to make sure that the racism of the movie felt real. It didn't feel like too overt. It was more covert. And unfortunately I feel like we're in a time that we're experiencing a lot more overt racism. So I feel like a lot of it could translate now from that angle. Um, and I know it's kind of a bummer, but I think that that would, that's honest. You're right. Here we are in 2021 with hashtags like stop Asian hate, China virus, racism is a virus, stop AAPI hate, and so many more. We're in a tough space Asian hate crimes are on the rise, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. I've read so many articles written about the healing properties of humor. So, is it possible that humor could be part of the thing that helps bring us together? Cassidy, your questions are, like, just extremely good. I can see why your podcast is so popular because (laughs) honestly, yeah, I mean, honestly, this question is one I've been thinking about for years. Like my, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, like my intro into the acting world was through comedy. Uh, it was through taking improv classes at UCB Upright Citizens Brigade, um, Los Angeles theater. And it was making my own live shows and writing shows with Wilder and, and, uh, making little movies to get people to laugh. And at the same time, uh, political causes have always been very important to me and it's always been very important to um always say how I feel I think you know and and just let people know where I stand at all all times and so as far as the role that humor plays in creating a better world I think it's just very complicated I think that like ultimately the short answer is like yes I I want to believe that um, if if humor is clever enough, if humor is poignant enough, and it's well done enough, we can get everybody on the same page because humor and laughter is disarming, right? And at the same time, I think humor humor also serves a different pers- a purpose and a more like realistic purpose where it gets people who have been afflicted by the same common things uh, a catharsis, a chance to relax and release. You know, I know for like uh, me and a lot of my Asian American friends um, in this time too, like it's important that we're getting together and we're supporting each other and we're making space for each other. And, you know, other days we just want to laugh just to be able to get through it. So I, I, I want to believe that humor plays a part in getting people of different mindsets to get together. But what I 
feel confident that humor does is give people who have been hurting a chance to breathe. So you played Bex on Disney's Andy Mac. And to be honest, that show was one of the first I can remember watching that that featured Asian actors and Asian American representation in lead roles. The show helped bring awareness, at least to my age group, like traditions of Chinese New Year and the Moon Festival. How important is it for writers, producers, directors, etc., to be mindful of the impact that this type of representation has on our culture overall? Well, I'm so happy to hear you say that. You know, I joined Andy Mac as an adult, and I know that, like, um, but I didn't grow up with an Andy Mac when I was a teen. So to be able to like hear hear it from a teen's perspective is always very cool to me of like, how does this impact you? Like, what does this mean to you? Like the only frame of reference I have is what what I felt about the TV shows that I grew up with. Like I, I remember, um, I think like my cable package had Nickelodeon, but like not Disney when we finally got cable. So I grew up with shows like Clarissa Explains It All and The Secret World of Alex Mack. And that was my like world, you know, it was so easy to like remember how much that affected me. And so then I think about, and, and so then I hear you saying like, oh, that was the first time I was exposed on TV to a, a culture's traditions like Lunar New Year. And that makes me think, oh, telling stories, telling diverse storylines should be a top priority for producers, directors, um, writers, storytellers, because uh, I mean, the impact that you can have, like you give people who may not have the opportunity to go out and visit other places in America, other places in the world, you get to give them information right in their own home. And I feel like that impact is immeasurable. You're saying, oh, it's the first time seeing uh, these cultures represented on TV. It's my first time being able to show parts of like things I identified with growing up as a character. You know, it was such a milestone for me as well as an actor. So what can we do, in your opinion, as non-Asian Americans to be kinder and more inclusive? How can we become advocates and help stop the hate? Thank you for asking. I, I think this is such an awesome question because I think it's the first step, you know, um, uh, to have a curiosity. A, the first step I think is to, um, like have a curiosity of, of what it might not be like to have the same problems that one as the individual has, you know, like, I feel like, uh, last summer when we were seeing a global awakening to the Black Lives Matter movement was a very educational experience for me, not being Black. Um, and I feel like I, I feel like the first step is to have a curiosity. The second step is to be able to kind of listen and get more informed with materials that aren't naturally going to find their way to you. Like, go out of your way to look at who's driving conversations about inclusivity and follow them on social media. I mean, like it's never been easier to get access to viewpoints that aren't yours, you know, like follow people that you don't know that you think has a viewpoint that piques your curiosity. And then the step after that, um, you know, and I think that this goes for, uh, 
anybody who's not in a marginalized group, like I can speak to an Asian American experience. I can't speak to an indigenous, uh, indigenous American experience or a black American experience, um, is to then talk to the people that are in your group. I feel like this is like the most effective way of being like creating a more inclusive world. Like, I think it was very important for me when, um, I was trying to be like a like a good ally for um, my black friends during a very crushing time uh, to be able to speak with my family members and my communities that I was in. Um, Because if you talk to people in your community, they're going to listen to you more than they might somebody else not. Um, Even if, if, even if you guys have different viewpoints. So, so yeah, so three, three things, a curiosity, B, um, go out of your act on that curiosity, go out of your way to find resources and be talk to the people that are directly in your community. That's where you're going to have the most impact. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Sure. So do you have anything else you would like to add? We talked, we touched on a couple of like political things and I'll say this. Um, I am so impressed with like the middle school, high school generation about how, uh, politically active and politically curious. I think Gen Z, I don't know how you, how you connect to that term or if you do (laughs) like, um, but like that feels so inspiring to me Um, because I do feel like when I was in high school, I really loved trying to get politically active and politically active high schoolers, at least at my high school, were in the minority. (laughs) It was not something that you really, you had, you really had to go out of your way to find your people. And so just seeing an entire generation being able to take on problems that are outside of their lives that affect um, bigger scales is really inspiring to me. And like for advice, like I'm looking to your generation, you know, as like, wow, like, this is how I can be more bold. This is how I can uh, be more effective. And this is how I can be more active. Um, but I, but having lived through middle, middle school and high school, I think just like a piece, I imagine that your listeners are curious and open-minded like you seem to be. And um, if, if I could tell like myself something in middle school and high school, is uh, to just have more trust in the things I liked. Just, I, I constantly was trying to figure out how to be like, a, how to make myself more likable, how to be a more interesting person and how to be more interested in maybe not things I liked, but that were popular. And if I could just like have a repeat, I would totally indulge in things I liked, even if they weren't what everybody else liked, you know, I would indulge in a being politically active. Uh, I would, I would get more into punk music. I was really into punk music <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, and I just, I was crazy about improv comedy and like, I think I always stuck with that, but I think just like, you know, whatever equivalent of, of let your freak flag fly <laughs> is where it's just like the things you like are, are where you could be. They're interesting enough. You don't have to be more interesting than that. Right. Be yourself and that's enough. Just yeah. fly your own path and you'll go far. So yeah. And you'll have more fun too. I mean, I think lots of people look back on their teen years being like, wow, I didn't have a lot of fun because I was desperately trying to 
be interested in things that people I looked up to found interesting. It's like, oh, you have so much more fun if you just like pursue what you like. Exactly. (laughs) You had so much great advice. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure having you. Thank you so much, Cassidy. The pleasure was mine as well. Um, Can't wait to listen to it. To learn more about Becoming Eddie, visit becomingeddie.wordpress.com or on Instagram at becomingeddiefilm. You can follow Lilan on Instagram too, at yourfriendlilan or at Lilan and Wilder.